0: Welcome to the Positive Impact Podcast, where we dive into the world of movers, shakers, and changemakers, creating a positive impact on the world. This is your host, Alexandra Black-Pollock, and together we're going to tackle real issues, discovering how we can make the world a better place. This episode of the Positive Impact Podcast is brought to you by HelloFresh, delicious, healthy, and fresh meals delivered straight to your door. Enjoy cooking again with scrumptious and easy-to-prepare meals three nights a week. Visit positiveimpactpodcast.com slash fresh for $40 off your first box. Today we are going international, and we're not just focusing on one country either. With us, we have Sarah Barnett from International Blessings. This company is incredibly unique as it connects conscious consumers with fair trade products from ministries and organizations around the world. It's about empowerment and it's about understanding the power of your purchase. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited.
0: Now, we've actually met personally at Business Boutique in Nashville. Yes. That event was just beyond inspiring on so many different levels. What was one of your takeaways from that?
1: One of my takeaways from Business Boutique was to be proud Of what I'm doing. I mean, I'm obviously very passionate about working with my artisans and they make beautiful products, but it's still hard not to give a discount or to give in when they want uh, a few dollars off or something like that. And I need to take more value in what my artisans are doing because they make beautiful products. And normally or most times, these products are worth way more than what I am charging, anyways. And so, one thing that I took away from Business Boutique is to value what I'm doing, and most importantly, to value my artisans to their full extent.
0: I absolutely love that. Take pride in what you're doing. Um, For our listeners who aren't quite regular, Business Boutique was with Christy Wright. It was in Nashville, and it was episode eight, so check that out. But Sarah, that was one of my huge takeaways as well is really focusing on the pride and understanding your value and the value of the work that you're offering. Oh, absolutely incredible. it's, It's so important.
1: And if we aren't taking pride in what we're doing, even, I mean, we have the passion behind it, but we have to have the pride behind it too, or else we can't make as big of a difference as we are meant to.
0: Now, especially just looking at the work that you do, I can say you have a lot to take pride in. I am absolutely in love with your business model. So first, can you give us just a short overview of what International Blessings does?
1: Yes. International Blessings partners with third world artisans around the world to help them create sustainable livelihoods that break the cycle of poverty. I'm all about teaching a person how to fish instead of just giving them a fish for a day. Because when we can teach them a craft and they can do something more for themselves, then it gives them dignity and pride as well as sustainability to take care of their family.
0: That emphasis on sustainability and really making sure it has a lasting impact is so essential at any time that we approach a socially conscious business. How have you found like that emphasis on sustainability to either be you know, more challenging or more rewarding?
1: I believe it's definitely more rewarding because it teaches these, these artisans how to take care of their families without having to rely on other people. I think, especially in America, it's very easy for us just to go over there and give them food or give them clothes or whatever they might need or medications. But then when we do that, we're taking away from what those people can offer themselves. And we wouldn't want people to do that to us. And so we need to find a way that we can really pull out their, their qualifications and their abilities so that they can take pride in what they're doing and in taking care of their own family.
0: I love it. We're taking pride all the way through this episode. <laughs> One of the cool things is with this company, you actually don't create any products. Right. How do you find the products that you guys offer in your company?
1: Well, when I first got started with International Blessings, I had been stateside for about four years. But prior to that, I had done a lot of traveling, a lot of mission work in about 20 countries around the world. And I really worked in a lot of poor areas. And so when I started International Blessings, I had some contacts and networks that I was able to reach out to through that. I also did a lot of google and um, social media work social media searching because my focus is really on poverty i want to work with artisans that aren't able to send their kids to school or they can't feed their kids and by being able to create these products and helping them to sell them they are now able to have those resources that they wouldn't have had before and so that's my that's the way i've most of them is through networks as well as online search.
0: I'm just going to back up a little bit. Did you say that you hit 20 different countries doing mission work?
1: As of today, I've actually been to 24 countries around the world, but uh, 22 of them were in seven years and then I've been to one new country this
0: last year, two total, but one new. Wow, you weren't kidding when you said that you were a global company.
1: (laughs) Yes, I love to travel, and that's one reason why International Blessings got started is because I had traveled. I love traveling. I always thought I'd be a missionary. I actually thought I'd be living in a hut in Africa right now, but instead, I married a farmer who is very set on staying home in Missouri, (laughs) and we have two little kids, and so when I got married and started having kids, I wasn't able to travel as much. And so International Blessings is my way of staying connected to my international community as well as feeling like I'm finally making a difference again.
0: Oh, there's just so many great takeaways there from, you know, having this incredible dream and sometimes when life happens, figuring out a way to pivot and still be connected to an international community and have this incredible life with your family. That's just such a great takeaway for our listeners.
1: (laughs) Yes, definitely, and one thing I learned when I could finally become uh, uh, content in where I was at in starting this business, I got to travel again, and that was really cool to finally get to travel after five years to two countries this last year.
0: Oh, you know, sometimes you just have to set the intention and, you know, accept and really appreciate where you are, and then your dreams are kind of going to come to you. Yes. When you first hit all of those 24 countries with your mission work, what were some of the ones that you hit?
1: I have been literally all over the world. So I've hit every continent except for Australia and Antarctica. Uh, Europe was more focused in Eastern Europe, like Ukraine, Romania, Croatia. I love Africa. Africa definitely has my heart. I've been to Burkina Faso, Tanzania, Kenya, and Uganda. Uh, I've been to every country in Central America, except for I don't count Honduras. We drove through it, but I'm pretty particular when I count a country (laughs) I've been in. Um, Those people that count every airport they've been in, I can't do that. Otherwise, I could say I've probably been in over 30 or 40.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so now we know that you have probably set foot in a astronomical amount of countries but these are actually countries that you've gone in you started to understand a bit about them and you've connected with individuals there yes definitely working in all of these countries i'm sure you have countless experiences that have just stayed with you but can you share one of those times that you were in a country and you had this incredible experience and it really had the momentum to keep driving you forward with your business
1: Most of the countries that I visited were before my business, but the one country that made the biggest impact for the future of my business was when I was in Burkina Faso. I was working with agriculture missionaries, and their next-door neighbor was this family, and they had several girls, and they made these macrame handbags. And I would go over there in the evenings, and they would teach me how to make these handbags. And I got to thinking about... What if I could purchase these bags, like the difference that that would make on this family? Like how cool would it be to help them provide better for their family?
0: Oh, that that was your idea for your country. That's the moment that started it all.
1: It is, definitely. And that trip in Burkina Faso was in 2007, so it took me a long time to get started. But that's the trip where I, I figured out the name and I knew the basis of of what God was leading me towards.
0: We've got patience, we've got passion, we've got contentment. You are just full of great takeaways and lessons for us today. I'm trying. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I have to admit, I actually don't know what macrame is. Can you break that down for us?
1: Yes, macrame is a type of craft. It's when you're knotting a material. So in this instance, I don't know what the material was. It was actually kind of a coarse material. Um, and to be honest, the bags don't do real great, but it was one of those things that you could take the craft and the art and teach the women to make something else that would be more sellable. But macrame is just the craft of knotting like rope
0: into a bag or a purse. Fascinating. And I'm sure now I can find these in your store, right? (laughs) I only
1: I have one or two from when I traveled there, but I don't have contacts with those people because it has been so many years and the missionaries have moved on. So I wish I could say that Burkina Faso is definitely one of the countries that I'm looking to partner in uh, sometime in the future, but I do not at this time.
0: Well, with that, let's talk about some of the products that you do offer. Can you tell us what is probably your most favorite product to offer? I'm not entirely sure. It's hard
1: to do a favorite. I offer a lot of products. I started selling mostly jewelry and such as earrings and bracelets and rings, and I now sell keychains and toys and ornaments and scarves. Probably some of my favorite products would be. I have these carved nativity ornaments that are made in Peru and they're hand-carved and they're carve them and they burn them. And they're just beautiful. Like the talent that these artisans have in these crafts that they make is just unbelievable. And I love sharing the stories behind each, each product and how talented these artisans are. That is what I enjoy more than even the products themselves is the talent of the artisans that goes into the product.
0: Oh, I can't even imagine doing carving. I mean, I was an art major in college, so I took a lot of art classes. But carving is such, it takes patience and really diligence and dedication. And to be totally honest, you have to really know where you're going when you make a cut on a piece of wood. Yes. What was the very first product that you offered in your store?
1: The first product were friendship bracelets from the Philippines. And this was a contact that I had I'd made a contact of a contact while I was on the world race. Uh, But I sold friendship bracelets from them. And then I also worked with a missionary I had met in Kenya. And he shipped me bone necklaces as well as earrings. And the bone earrings and necklaces and the friendship bracelets are what I first started selling.
0: I just am going to really drive home this point of the company's that you're talking about. You have one in Peru. You have one in the Philippines. You have one in Kenya. This is really your opportunity to find a store that has an impact all over the world. And I'm just, I can't get over the breadth and versatility in regions that you cover. Bravo. (laughs) We currently
1: work in 12
0: countries with 15 different
1: artists and groups.
0: Now... I loved talking to you earlier this week when we were preparing for this because one of the artistic groups that you are going to start working with is actually Dume Designs.
1: Yes, and I got to visit them in September. Oh, you got to visit them? Yes, it was amazing. And actually, their story blew me away. I had not actually had intentions of buying sandals when I went to visit them. I just wanted to see their operation, but their story really hit home for me, and that's why I started carrying their products.
0: It was absolutely great kicking off the year with the Dume Designs episode because we got to pair the timing with the earthquake in Haiti anniversary and hearing their story, like you said, it's absolutely compelling how they're approaching recovery with sustainable business practices. Oh, and I just, I can't even get over how jealous I am that you got to go visit the actual place in Haiti and meet some of their craftsmen and women.
1: Yes, it was absolutely amazing. It was so cool. Had
0: you been to Haiti before?
1: Actually, yes.
0: I, of course. <laughs> of
1: course. <laughs> I had the opportunity to go to Haiti 10 days after the earthquake hit. Uh, I was mostly on the border of the Dominican Republic in Haiti working with refugees and then logistics for future teams. So I didn't get to really go very far into Haiti, but I was right there on the outskirts uh, trying to help with relief efforts.
0: You could have actually met Julie. <laughs> She I could was have.
1: there. Yeah, only she was in the tent city. And so I didn't actually get to go to Port au Prince, but I was close.
0: <laughs> and here you are, you know, almost six years later when you got to go there and see the company that she helped build.
1: Yes, it was an ab- it's, yes, it was an amazing story. And seeing the artisans and hearing their stories firsthand and how passionate and excited that they are
0: was, Phenomenal. Oh. Well, we've gotten the opportunity to hear the incredible Do Design story before. Is there another company that you've gotten to go and connect with and hear the artisans and their passion for the products?
1: I have only been able to travel to two countries since starting my business. I was in Peru and then Haiti, so I'll share about another Haiti group. When I was in Haiti, I met a new artisan group called Papillon or The Apparent Project is their nonprofit side. And Papillon is about butterflies. It's taking something that's kind of ugly and not working and making it into something beautiful. And their stories and the product stories were just amazing to see their operations and how they produce their products. And to hear firsthand from the artisans was also really cool.
0: When you say that they're doing work with butterflies, what exactly products are coming out of this work? So they're
1: not working specifically with butterflies. It's more the concept of the butterfly. For instance, they make a lot of clay bead jewelry. And the story behind that is they use the same clay that is used in Haiti's Central Plateau for dirt cookies. People actually take this clay and they mix sugar and water or sugar and butter in order to make cookies to sustain them. So they take this clay and they do the entire process from the mixing of it to create the correct texture, to molding it, to putting the holes in it, to putting it in a kiln and painting, and then put making it into jewelry. And so they've taken something that's kind of ugly, having to use dirt for food, and created this beautiful jewelry to show the change from poverty into
0: prosperity. Wow. <laughs> that was an incredible... Just mission and so much that we can take behind the story. Showcasing through art the journey from poverty to prosperity. Ooh, I just got chills. (laughs) Working with all of these different countries and really seeing the talent, the passion, and the drive behind these products, what would you say to consumers
1: I would tell consumers to be mindful of what they're purchasing because every product has a story, whether you know it or don't know it. And I think that's one thing that our, our country in particular is becoming more and more aware of is that every buying purchase, every purchase we make is making a difference, whether it's a good difference or a bad difference, it's still making an impact, I guess would be a better word. And We need to be conscious of that so that we can make our world a better place and stop the exploitation that is still happening around the world.
0: Definitely making that impact with your purchase. And you're right. I do like the word impact, (laughs) (laughs) but it's such a great reminder of really understanding and just being aware of the opportunity that you have with every single purchase you make to really narrow in and say, this is the type of things that I want to support with my dollar. Wow, Sarah, you know, with that, I think that is just a huge takeaway. And I think we're ready for some rapid fire. All right. The rapid fire is one of my all time favorite parts of the show. And I think it's just because of those adventures we get to talk about, like shark diving. How many guests have we had that's gone shark diving? Absolutely incredible. But before we dive into that, I wanted to share a quick insight from this incredible event called Journey to Social Entrepreneurship, which was all about focusing in and channeling the power of service to fuel powerful social enterprises. So that insight was all about asking permission. Sometimes we wait too long to act, almost waiting for the world to give us the okay. Kayteca Founder describes a pivotal moment in his journey where he could either move forward or ask permission. If you're at a point in your life where you're ready to activate and you're ready to move forward, then this event is for you. Unlock all 20 recordings at journeytosocialentrepreneurship.com slash live. That includes some incredible founders like Three Twins Ice Cream, Coolie Coolie, Sponsor Change, My Ed Match, and more. And with that, I think we're ready for a dose of adventure. Life is a balance of work, passion, and adventure. Can you tell us about an excursion or adventure? And I know you have quite a few to choose from that you've gone on and it's just so memorable.
1: My most recent excursion was to Haiti and it was just really life-changing because even though I've traveled the world, Haiti was when I really saw the impact of what my business can have on individuals around the world. And Haiti... Most of my trips kind of happen spur of the moment for most people. Usually I only know like a couple of weeks, two months ahead of time that I'm going. And for Haiti, everything just fell into place. Transportation worked awesome, even though that might be on the back of a truck or next to a refrigerator or in a five-person car with six of us. It just, everything worked out perfectly. And to be able to see the artisans and the difference that these products are making on their lives
0: can i just point out that you said transportation worked out perfectly whether it was just on the back of the truck next to a refrigerator (laughs) well it could have cost us a lot of money so i'll go free any day (laughs) i was i have to admit i was laughing during that because during my episode with julie we were talking about you know when tourists come to visit that you have to be very patient with things like transportation and getting around and on roads. So you're like, it worked out perfectly. And I was going, huh. So, but that is such a great way to frame it and say, it worked out. I got there. And it was a, I imagine, a really incredible journey.
1: Yes. And I got to see way more than I ever expected to, too. <laughs>
0: you've been toying with this idea since 2007 and here it is 2016 you most likely took that trip in 2015 how did you keep yourself going without being able to tangibly see that impact in your work
1: although i'm not in person in these countries just having the business itself has really kept me motivated most of the companies will send newsletters sharing artisan stories or the impact that our purchases have on their on the artisans' lives. And on top of that, it's very encouraging when I sell at craft shows and getting to talk to people and share the stories and the impact that each person purchasing something has on individuals around the world. And that's the thing that's really kept me going is just knowing that. I'm making a difference.
0: Such a great reminder for our social entrepreneurs that you can find other ways to keep you motivated and keep you going and hear those stories and really fill your soul. But also that it really does help to get boots on the ground occasionally and directly see the impact of your work. Yes. Many social entrepreneurs find solace and tranquility in the outdoors. Have you found this to be true in your work?
1: Definitely. I grew up on a farm, so I'm definitely a country girl. And there's just something about getting in the middle of nature and God's creation that renews your soul and helps you to renew your strength and your motivation in what you are doing. And especially in these third world countries, a lot of them don't have electricity, they don't have running water, they don't, you know, you're more in nature than you ever would even consider being here. And I just love it because it's so much more real. It's harder to hide behind things because that's real life. And I love how it is out in the open and it's nature and it's just real.
0: You grew up on a farm. You married a farmer. I'm seeing a trend here. (laughs) What has been one of your biggest successes with International Blessings? I think another
1: huge success for me is being able to share and motivate other people to also make a difference. That every person has the ability to make a change or to make a difference, to make an impact on the world. And we just have to have a little bit of confidence in ourselves and a lot of trust in God to move forward. And we can really take this world and transform it into an even better place than it already is. And even though International Blessings is, is really focused on poverty, I think that when we work together, that's when we make the biggest change.
0: Oh, when we work together, that is when we make the biggest change. It really, that is just such a great sentiment to focus on because you're right. When we look at the world kind of globally or just even our communities and say, how can we together make this impact? Ooh, you're going to have an incredible impact. What book do you recommend to others who really want to make an impact in the world?
1: A book I've read pretty recently in August is called Push by Shalene Johnson. And Push is more of a business book. Actually, it's a business and weight loss book, although I looked at it more as the business perspective. But the thing that I loved about this book and what Shalene Johnson teaches is that you've really got to figure out where you are in life. Like what are the thing, where are the areas in your life that need to be worked on? And where are the areas in the work in your life that you're succeeding in? And then figuring out where you how you want to move forward from there and what are your goals. Because until we figure out our why and what we're actually wanting to accomplish, it's really hard to move forward. And this book was really able to help me take this overwhelming to-do list and crazy ideas and to really put it into something that was more manageable that I could actually work on step-by-step without feeling like I was going to go crazy.
0: Discovering your why, moving your business forward, and possibly losing some weight along the way. That sounds like a great book. (laughs) Yeah. What role has mentorship played in your success?
1: I think mentorship is so important, and I think it changes through the years, especially as you grow and as your business grows. I know I've had several different mentors throughout the year, some that have been more of encouragement, more of pushing you to reach your goals and to helping you gain that confidence that I need, and then I've also had mentors that are more business related and specific to the goals I'm trying to achieve and encourage me encouraging me to invest in myself and and just to have that that confidence that I can do it.
0: And how did you find these mentors?
1: Many of my mentors have actually come from from when I traveled on the world race and then afterwards they had a entrepreneur program and I was able to pitch my business in front of investors in Georgia and I gained some mentors through that as well. You keep bringing back this world race. What exactly was that? The world race is 11 months in 11 countries traveling out of a backpack, living in some of the most remote, crazy places, sleeping on anything from an orphanage, bunk bed, to um, hostels, to living in tents, and we ate on $2 a day for food, which in poor countries isn't a big deal sometimes, but in other places, you have to really figure out how to make your money work, so that meant a lot of rice, beans, and oatmeal, and we ministered to the people. And really got to have boots on the ground, as you say, (laughs) and work right with people and see the difference that we can make.
0: What a trip. Oh, my gosh. That sounds incredible.
1: Yes, it was very incredible.
0: No wonder you had this entire network throughout all these different countries. You were there connecting with people and really understanding the situation in these different countries.
1: Yes, it was crazy. I had some pretty crazy stories to share from the world race. It was amazing, and it it definitely built up the desire to continue doing mission work and has helped me keep going in my business, too.
0: All right. I have to ask, can you share one of those crazy stories?
1: Yes. So every time I recount this story, I wonder if maybe – I wonder what I was thinking at the time. But at the time, it seemed like – Those are like- the best stories, though. Yeah. So – Our second month on the race, we were in China, and in in 2008, it was November of 2008, and China is not very receptive to Christianity. They kind of try to, and I'm not sure where they're at right now, but at this time, it was illegal to evangelize in China, and we were um, missionaries in China, and so we were by ourselves. There was five of us. I think there was five. Maybe there were six of us on my team traveling through China by ourselves. Some of us had like never traveled before. So that was interesting. And we, all we had was a map that was in the Chinese language and it had bus stops of four towns that we were to visit. And then we'd go to the bus stop, we'd go to the town and find where to stay, what we were going to eat, what did ministry look like, et cetera. Well, in one of those towns, we met a college girl and she like was at our door constantly. She always wanted to hang out. She wanted to take us out to dinner And was always wanting to hang out. And so us girls had gone out to eat with her, but she wanted to take the whole group out to eat. And so finally we said, okay, we'll go out to eat with you. And so we got ready and her uncle was going to come pick us up. And so we're waiting at the base of the hotel when her uncle pulls up in a cop car (laughs) and we're looking at each other going, is this a trick? Like, what, what do we do? And to make matters worse, we had to split up. And there was two guys, and so the two guys split up. I don't know what they were going to do in the first place. Um, But we got in the cop car, and he took us to dinner. And in China, or at least all the places we went, it's very common to sing at the dinner table. And so... They would sing a song, and then we'd sing a song, and they'd sing, and we'd sing back and forth. Well, when it came time for us to sing, they asked us to sing a song, and we're like, ah, we're on a mission trip. And so we sang worship songs. I mean, who wouldn't sing worship songs in the present cop in China? So we're singing worship songs around a dinner table that's being provided by a Chinese cop that's clapping as we're singing. And I got it on video. I have got to dig that video out. Oh, uh, please.
0: Please <laughs> dig that video.
1: Out. That's probably the craziest experience I've ever had in my life. It all went okay. None of us got hurt. We weren't thrown in jail or kicked out of China or anything like that. But it was cool. It's one of those stories you don't share with your parents until you're home safe.
0: <laughs> yeah, because, you know, illegal missionaries in a country fairly unrecepted going out to dinner with a cop singing worship songs you know, I don't know what a mother wouldn't be nervous about in that story. I mean, like, <laughs> come on now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't even know how you top that. Uh, bravo. <laughs> bravo. <laughs> well, We're going to take a little bit of a pivot because I don't even know how to follow up that story. <laughs> what is a mantra or a motto that guides forward your work with international blessings?
1: <laughs> I think one of the things that's helped me the most is just taking one step at a time, like one thing, do something every day that moves your business forward. Because it's so easy to get overwhelmed in all these huge to do's and every all these different aspects of your business, because when you're a sole entrepreneur, you're doing everything yourself. And there's so many areas of business and It's so easy to get overwhelmed and so just thinking, okay, what is the one thing that I can do today that moves me forward but I'm not going to go crazy on?
0: One step at a time. Such a great reminder because we all try to tackle way too much and it's really just one step at a time. And our final question for today, what advice do you have for our listener out there who really wants to make a positive impact today?
1: I think my biggest or I think my advice would be to really think about what you're passionate about, what change you want to see in the world and to start researching and looking to those who have made an impact in that area and how you can be a part of it and to be open to opportunities that may not be what the people in your life think you should do. I know in my life it's to a degree been a struggle to do mission work. I mean I grew up on a farm. My parents had never traveled. They'd never been in an airplane and so when I said I wanted to go overseas they thought I was a little crazy. I think they still do think I'm crazy and so just be confident in yourself and in the passions you have to pursue them.
0: I don't know why people might be unreceptive to you traveling abroad with your track (laughs) record. But that is such a great reminder to really be open to opportunities and take them because that's how you get the best stories and that's how you make the biggest impact. Sarah, it has been a pleasure today. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Well, movers and shakers, that was quite the episode. Who knew that all of a sudden we were going to be talking about China and being an illegal missionary singing for a cop? It just goes to show you when you take those opportunities, you really never know where it's going to take you. We're going to see if we can dig up that video and have it on the show notes page as well as several incredible products from international blessings to head there go to positive impact podcast.com slash international blessings and if you're looking to really narrow in on your why move forward with your business and possibly lose a little bit of weight along the way because who doesn't love that get a free audio download of push from Celine johnson when you head to that show notes page we're gonna have details about how you can get that thanks to audible and lastly, join us on Friday as we connect with one of the artisans that International Blessings works with. There were so many different options that we could have chosen from, but I promise you, our Stories from the Field episode is going to be absolutely inspiring. Until next time, keep doing your part to make the world a better place.